as mad as a hatter? Then today is your day. This is Fiorella de Maria bringing you the early show all the way from a slightly chilly England. Should I say anything on the programme that strikes a chord, interests you, or, heaven help me, causes you to choke on your abstemious Friday breakfast? Please let me know. As always, our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And... The Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. That's right, it's Mad Hatter Day. Uh, don't know how you celebrate this other than maybe reading Alice in Wonderland, but I have on the show, it being a Friday, the wonderful Sarah Taylor. Maybe we can talk about this a bit further. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Fiorella. Happy Mad Hatter Day. Great to be with you. Yes, I mean... I don't know really how you're supposed to celebrate this other than maybe, I don't know, read. Have you read Alice in Wonderland? Um, yes, I've read it and enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, perhaps to some people it comes more naturally than others to celebrate Mad Hatter Day. <laughs> <laughs> maybe some people are celebrating it every day. Well, quite. I mean, I don't see why why not, really. Um, apparently one of the ways you can celebrate is to uh, wear a hat all day. Okay, that seems quite tame, but mm-hmm. we could try that. I think we could do that, yes. Um, or host an Alice in Wonderland-themed uh, tea party. I mean, that would be hilarious. But, like, how to lose all your friends in one sitting. Invite yep. them to tea. Harangue them. Refuse to serve them tea. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it, it, it could go so wrong, couldn't it? In fact, yes. it would have to go wrong. Um, apparently, according to this trivia page... Uh, even though the character of the Hatter is known as the Mad Hatter, Lewis Carroll never refers to the character as the Mad Hatter. That's very interesting. Does he just say the Hatter? But we've always yes that way, haven't we? Yes, he's because he is completely mad. He's just yes. been remembered as the Mad Hatter. And in fact, it's supposed to be the case that they talk about Mad Hatters because um, Hatters genuinely went mad. Milliners used to oh. lose their minds. Yeah, because... Um, they used to use mercury in the making of the, you know, the the very nice, shiny, smooth finish that top hats had. It was made by using a mercury compound. Oh, gosh. And it was not known. They they were poisoned then? Yeah, they were slowly, slowly poisoned. Uh, It was amazing. I did not know that. I have learned something new on Mad Hatter Day. Gives us a bit of compassion toward the Mad Hatter's. Indeed. Yes. Obviously, it was not known um, at the time and for many years how dangerous mercury was. So there we go. Um, According to this, uh, the chat room, it is also do something nice day. Well, okay, that's (laughs) a bit more generic, but very nice. (laughs) Um, Jacqueline is milking goats and a swarm of mosquitoes. I hope you've got protection on of some kind, Mm, Uh, Jacqueline. I'm so nice. That sounds very unpleasant, so I hope you're okay. I don't know what even works to stave off the mosquitoes. I've never found that the creams worked very well, so I hope you're okay. sprays work for me, but they're horrendous. You actually poison yourself, uh, a bit like a hatter, perhaps. Yes, I've always wondered about this, because my sister is actually allergic to mosquitoes. So all sorts of stuff in the room in the summer and more you can imagine um including the stuff that you plug in and it burns slowly through yes, the night yeah. so all of yeah yes one of the smells of summer for me is that really quite acrid chemical smell of yes, the repellent it's tremendous, isn't it? yeah so we were um, probably slowly poisoning ourselves which is a really horrendous thought on this day so, hmm? for you actually fiorella <laughs> turning the tables <laughs> Yeah, I haven't gone completely mad yet. So it might happen. Um, on this day, also, I mean, some fairly horrendous things happened on this day, which I will skim over. You know, huge disasters and stuff like that. Um, on this day, also in 1891, William Henry Smith, W. H. Smith, the English news agent, bookseller, and statesman, died. And also on this day in 1892, Alfred Lord Tennyson, England's poet laureate. So. It's also the date, in 1895, that conductor Sir Henry Wood instituted the proms. Oh, 
Yes, what a great thought of his. I salute him. Yes, indeed. <laughs> These are good days. I'm, I'm skimming over, you know, on this day in 1939, Adolf Hitler promised faithfully that he had no intention of waging war against Britain and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's just yeah, yes. Let's, let's let's focus on Alfred Lord Tennyson. Are you a Tennyson fan? Yes, yes. I I do quite like a good bit of Tennyson. I like those romantic poets actually. And um, with my siblings, we we enjoy visiting the Lake District, and so we've really often been to all the various places where William Wordsworth lived. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think their personal lives were often somewhat of a disaster to a very big disaster. And some of these romantic ideals didn't play out really very well in real life. I do just love the poetry. And I suppose I love that they were so all in with being poets and, you know, really racing being a poet. I think mm-hmm. that's the literary scene, you know, of the 19th century. Yeah. Well, I have just reviewed, it will be coming out in a few weeks' time, uh, I've just been reading Dorothy Wordsworth's Grasmere journals. Yeah. She kept, she kept a very detailed diary, um, and that was really interesting, so I'm quite looking forward to that episode coming out. Oh, um, Jacqueline say a fan blows the mosquitoes away, but my milking fan is in the bunny barn. Smoky Mountain Mike, good morning, everyone. I want to say hello. Yeah, before we get bogged down. So Jacqueline's just slapping away the mosquitoes. Oh, gosh. Oh. Yes, that's, that seems very, very unpleasant. Um, oh, Denise is telling me, it's yes, that, that stuff about doing something nice is yesterday's info. Okay, Mad Hatter Day is definitely today, okay? <laughs> Mad Hatter Day, sticking with that. We'll stick um, with Mad Hatter Day. Um, anyway, I have a serious story for today, Sarah, and a not-so-serious story. I think perhaps we'll start with the serious story and we'll maybe flee to something slightly more food rated when it all goes, it gets too much for everybody. Well, this is what we usually do, isn't it, Fiona? Let's stick with yes. the tried and tested formulas. Indeed. Um, can't, it can't go wrong this way. Yeah. <laughs> well, a survey of 2,000 young people has found that the majority feel unsafe. A quarter of girls, more than a quarter, 27%, said they had experienced sexual harassment in some form. 44% said they do not feel safe while walking alone on the street. Um, The survey was conducted for the BBC and interviewed 1,000 teenage boys and 1,000 teenage girls about a whole raft of experiences. Um, A third said that they had... um, watch videos by Andrew Tate, and many said they liked them. Hundreds also said that they feel anxious some or all of the time, um, claiming they feel frightened walking home from school, are nervous when they are on social media, um, say that they... um, that a lot of boys find Andrew Tate quite attractive. 58% of teenage girls say they follow influencers online. More than a third said that influencers make them feel they need to change the way they look. Um, Including those who understand that most of the stuff they're seeing online is fake. It still influences them. Um, exams, going to school and peer pressure are the top three reasons why they feel stressed all the time. While more than half of boys and girls said they feel anxious if they don't have their phones with them. And a third said that comparing themselves to others on social media makes them anxious. Um, yes, it seems to be that the, the phone the access to technology seems to be the major cause of stress. While a third of teenagers said they'd vaped at least once and just over a quarter said they think they were addicted to vaping. It's not a great picture, really. No, it's a fairly long litany of depressing and I suppose predictably depressing uh, statistics. Predictable yet depressing. It's not that much Um, of a surprise, is it? None of this is a surprise. None of that sounds surprising. It's very depressing and 
sad, really, uh, for all of those children. But what do you think about some of those things, Fiala? For example, I think some of those issues are not confined, confined to teenagers. But obviously, because teenagers' brains are developing, they're much more vulnerable than everyone else. But I mean, feeling stressed without technology or technology bringing stress into one's life. I'm sure every person can relate to that surely in some way what do you think <laughs> I, I think so um i mean i did find it odd something like vaping being such an issue because the really sad thing is vaping was brought in to try to wean people off cigarette smoking yes and now uh this yes i, I was listening to the news about this recently because there was um that's right there was a lot of publicity promoting vaping because it was thought that that would be a really good place or a really good way rather for smokers to quit smoking mm -hmm. but in fact the result of all that messaging was that teenagers uh, picked up the message that vaping isn't harmful yeah. and actually vaping is harmful it's yes. less harmful than cigarettes but it is harmful and so that messaging was it didn't hit its target it was actually unhelpful Yes, it's it's an irony, and I do see a lot of people vaping. I mean, I don't know quite how worried I am about something like vaping compared with a lot of the other things, because when I was a teenager, the overwhelming majority of kids in my sixth form, um, my high school equivalently, smoked. I mean, the majority smoked. They went behind. There was a, there was the smokers' woods where they'd they'd slip away to have a have a cheeky fag. Um, Sorry, cigarette. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, slang doesn't, doesn't always. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> slang gets lost smoking. in translation. Um, and most of them, in fact, didn't smoke as adults. No, it, no. It was so that was just the teenage testing of the boundaries, which is a normal yeah. phase. Yeah, it, it was wanting to be sort of with the cool kids, and that's what the cool kids did. That they smoked, therefore they smoked, and they didn't, in yeah. fact, end up smoking permanently. So, I think it might be, um, it, it might be vaping, might be something that just just goes. I'm more worried about the stuff about social media. Um, as you say, I think this is something that happens to everyone. I think everyone is a little bit more anxious. Everyone's a bit more stressed. But I think possibly when it comes to things like body image. When you get to our age, you don't care quite so much what other people think. Yeah, there's a certain maturity that simply comes with age. And we can say that now from our venerable ages, <laughs> can't we, yeah. Fiorella? The yeah. voice of experience. Um, but I do think that um, smartphones, smartphones and, yeah, smartphones, actually, I want to say in particular, they're designed to be addictive. Mm. And a lot of our use of the internet is designed to be addictive. And it's very mm. clear that it is addictive even for adults. So for teenagers, you know, mm. um, I, I, I would pick that out personally as a major area of concern. And I think that in the future, people will look back and think that we were very naive in the beginning of the 21st century in the way that we didn't regulate these things, you know, because they had only just come in. Yeah. But in fact, it does lead to very serious problems. Mm. Uh, I mean, dangers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and with the problem with the technology is you're always one step behind, aren't you? It's, it, yeah. you know, the legislation tends to come in later. The understanding comes in a bit later. Exactly. It's 24 minutes yeah. 24 minutes past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with Fiorella de Maria and Sarah Taylor. If you've missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of the early show as a podcast, same day, from crusademax.com. We are talking about National Mad Hatter's Day. <laughs> How are you going to celebrate Mad Hatter's Day? Are you going to wear a big hat? Are you going to have a Mad Hatter's tea party and insult all your friends? Are you going to read Alice in Wonderland? Watch Alice in Wonderland. Who knows? There are so many things you could do. It's also the anniversary of the death in 1892 of Alfred Lord Tennyson, the poet who gave us the Charge of the Light Brigade, the Lady of Shalott, and other little gems that we still love so much and still feature in anthologies all over the world. We are also talking about a survey of 2,000 teenagers which found that anxiety and stress and the sense of being unsafe are a problem for both girls and boys, but particularly girls, that vaping and 
being influenced by influencers. Who uh, knew? <laughs> who knew is a problem. Do join the discussion. Um, on a positive note, what was also found in this survey was that 66% of young people say they feel positive about the future and the same number said that family is the most important thing in their life. Yes, good. Hooray. That is really good. Yeah, that's yeah. actually beautiful. You know, two thirds of young people say they are optimistic about the future, despite the cost of living crisis, despite the whole economic meltdown that's been going on around them. The majority still feel that they have a good future and that the future is bright. I mean, you know, that is wonderful. And I think that we are made that way to some extent you know you, you need to have hope for the future well we all do but you you need it most of all when you're a teenager you know mm. just launching into your adult life I think I it's just my own theory but I think that to some extent we're designed that way you know biologically or psychologically or whatever it is we mm. are designed to have a zest and a thirst and a hope you know, yeah. as we come toward, toward adulthood. But it's wonderful. It's wonderful to hear that, isn't it? And mm. I think they're right. Um, other generations before us have come of age in horrific circumstances, but there's always a future. Yeah, there's always absolutely. moving on and moving forward. Um, mm. no, and I think the fact that family is still so important to young people yeah. shouldn't be a surprise, but it's significant when family is so much under attack yes um, and the the implication is that families family is a problem that family life is repressive and yet for the majority of young people that's just not the case family remains the most important thing as it always has been yes as it always will because again we're made that way aren't we um, yeah. uh, so so i think there's, there's a lot of positive to come from this um, a lot of the things that young people are stressed about are things that are constantly being discussed. The worry about body image, about influencers who have absolutely no qualifications to yeah. express opinions, particularly, um, well, I mean, Andrew Tate's name gets mentioned. There are a lot of them, though. And yeah. what I find interesting is that the majority of young people know perfectly well that most of the images they're looking at are fake. Yeah, and yet our influence, and it shows. You know, we we do quite uh, make quite a lot of effort in schools now. Certainly in Britain, they do try to teach young people about things like um, fake news and scams, and how to recognise a scam. And yet, it's clearly not just an intellectual approach that's needed, because yeah. on a very deep and emotional level, there is some kind of a connection there that needs to be broken. Yes, I suppose so. I mean, again, I wonder whether this is simply a biological template that as you come into your teenage years, you have a natural sort of loosening from the nuclear family and you very naturally start orienting towards your peer group and being influenced, you know. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah. in the past, this happened without online influences mm -hmm. i mean personally i wonder whether this generation who are now teenagers i wonder whether it will be through their adult years um that there's a much bigger crackdown on the internet and on technology because they are the ones who have grown up being surrounded by it from birth and really some of them in a complete wild west you know all kind of criminality going completely unchecked I wonder whether it will be their generation that will actually yeah. be very aware of not having excesses of you know yes I'm, I'm sure that will be the case and those who aren't damaged um, will hopefully do something about it um, I think that issues like you know the, the amount of pornography that's available online and that there are already efforts being made to do something about that um, but I think perhaps they might have a bit more of an impetus to sort of yeah. get out there. Um, I should have said earlier, by the way, King Dude, bonjour. <laughs> it's French um, day as well. Like. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, 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 the King Dude is learning French. Ah, wonderful. Très bien. Bonjour, comment allez-vous? And guten tag, Jacqueline, Jen Dobre, Césarie. There we are. Anything I've missed? Any other languages I should have tried out? Um, <laughs> 
Okay, I think we need to clear the air before we go before we go to an ad break. <laughs> now, the I started going through the list. There was a list compiled of British foods that no one outside of the UK apparently understands, particularly Americans. We we had the discussion about baked beans and spaghetti hoops, and I, I think I have to we have to call a truce on that one. I don't think we'll ever explain why beans on toast is the snack of choice for every child's tea time, or why. Ice cream and jelly is a favourite at every children's party. Maybe it's one of these things where you just have to be there. <laughs> you just have to be there. It's like trying to explain a joke. It just doesn't yeah. work. Um, I think we just have to we have to leave it there. Um, but I think some of these, some of these might perhaps be a little bit happier, sit more happily on the the globalised palate. Iced buns. Mm, yes. When I was at boarding school we used to get ice buns i think it was on a monday yeah. for our break they were uh, quite a treat weren't they but mm-hmm. apparently one of the things that confuses people is they have got nothing to do with ice they are not cold they are not kept in the freezer what they are in fact is really a sort of sausage shaped bun a kind of hot dog bun with um with a layer of icing on the top they're pretty simple in terms of what they are as treats <laughs> But for some reason, we loved them as children. That's so funny. It never occurred to me. Yeah, it's all they are. Ice bun is something that you take out of the freezer. But surely you ice a cake. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you don't do that, you know, in a snowstorm. That's very funny, though. Uh, these linguistic things. You know, you don't notice it until someone else points it out. Okay. Uh, um, haggis. I understand why people would find it absolutely horrible and um, even the name itself puts people off. But it's once you've got over the fact that it's made of sheep's innards, it's actually not that bad. Um, quite delicious. It is delicious. Yes, Unfortunately, it is. I, I seem to be allergic to it. I actually got quite ill trying to eat it. I couldn't digest okay. it, but it was really yeah. delicious. Um I have never come across butter pie. No, nor have I. I think this is. I think this is a myth. Uh, Apparently, it's a, it's, a, it's a pie with onions and potatoes uh, it, from Lancashire. Oh well, wouldn't you just call that onion and potato pie? Um, um, I would have thought so. Onion um, and potato pie doesn't sound so bad to me. Onions, potatoes, gravy, pastry sounds yeah. actually very nice. Yeah. Actually, we've got to go to an ad break now. Lady Bellamine says, ice buns sounds kind of like frosted donuts in the States. Yes, that's exactly, exactly. You'd say frosted buns. That's exactly what it means. Anyway, listen, we have to go to an ad break, so we'll leave you with iced buns and haggis to mull over. Um, <laughs> you're listening to the early show. <laughs> you're listening to the early show with Fiorella de Maria and Sarah Taylor. Our call-in telephone number is... 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to us. Do join the conversation. Tell us about your favourite British food or your least favourite. The early show will continue in a few moments here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. But the hat must go on. Worn by me, is that understood? So shut up and tell the lie while I redefine how this all will be mine. I have a dream. It's got a full head of steam. What is true, what is not, can both change in a shot. People mean I couldn't care less. Cause in two seconds, flat living under my hat is the strategy for success. I will look the other way when you want to play something more. My drift, my little personal gift. I'm called Mad Come and follow me, this is it. All you gotta do is submit. And if you don't, my friend, well, then in the. You know, I love that organic cooking. I always ask for more. And they call me Mr. Natural. On down to the health food store. I only eat good sea salt, white sugar, don't touch my lips. And my friends is always begging me to take them on macrobiotic trips. Yes, they are. All but night, I take out my strong box that I keep under lock and key. Oh, and I take it off to 
those of you just joining us, you are listening to the early show with your hostess from across the pond, Fiorella de Maria, and my wonderful guest Sarah Taylor. Our call-in telephone number is eight four four five two seven eight seven two three. That's eight four four five two seven eight seven two three. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to us. Do join the conversation as you enjoy an abstemious Friday breakfast of maybe one of the bizarre British dishes we've been discussing, for example. Or perhaps organic vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that was awful, King Dude. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I couldn't get it to stop soon enough. Um, it's called Junk Food Junkie with Larry Gross. Okay. Uh, I love it. I think it's the food version of The Lady is a Tramp. I, 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 it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Haha. Uh-huh. Right. Thank you so much. Right. If you, if you have missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of the early show and the dreadful music. Same day from... Uh, same day as a podcast from crusademax.com. I'm so unsettled by that sound. Um, we have been talking about, in no particular order, National Mad Hatter's Day, in which you can hold an Alice in Wonderland tea party, you can wear a hat, you can behave like a Mad Hatter, you can read Alice in Wonderland or watch one of the films. You choose. It's also the anniversary of the death in 1892 of Alfred Lord Tennyson. So if you have a favourite Tennyson poem... Do let us know. Put it in the chat room, phone in, quote from it. Um, We have also been discussing a survey of 2,000 teenagers, 2,000 British teenagers by the BBC, which found that anxiety and stress are common, fears for personal safety, the toxic influence of influencers, pornography online, vaping, you name it, it's all there. But the majority of teenagers are still optimistic about the future and still value their families over everything else. So good and bad. Um, Jacqueline saying, my daughter made poke bowls for dinner. I have no idea what a poke bowl is. Can, can you put a picture? That would be nice. We have also been discussing, we've, we've reprised the British food you wouldn't believe is real. Um, which uh, has been quite fun. We've we've um, explained what an iced bun is. That <laughs> I assure you, they're very real. They're very nice. Yeah, they're that a little bit less sweet than a donut. Yes, mm. yes, because it's actually a, a bread base. But yeah. um, I mean, an awful lot of buns are frosted and iced in some way. Belgian yeah. buns and and all of the rest. So it it just it just gives an extra joy. Love poke bowls. This Maggie. Oh, it does look absolutely yeah. Poke bowl. Yeah. It looks really pretty. Mm. Yeah, it's really like nice. sushi in a bowl, but she made it with chicken. That does look absolutely mm-hmm. wonderful. Delicious. Um, I made um, Brussels sprout soup last night. I, I inherited a large number of sprouts. I had no <laughs> idea what to do with them, so I do what I always do and made them into a huge, very very delicious green soup. This looks Maggie. This looks really so delicious. Light, healthy, and refreshing. Can somebody yeah. send me a recipe for a poke bowl? They just look so good. I would actually quite like to make one. I, I mean, yeah, that's really, really nice. It's exchange recipes. I thought just to um to cheer everyone up. Okay, one more food, and then I go on to the uh, the um <laughs> the, the other the the story that ought to belong to the Mad Hatter's Tea Party, but sadly is real. And by the way, Sarah, you were saying in the break. Um, it's a it's a valid question. Have you ever had a sort of Mad Hatter's tea party moment? You know, where you find yourself in a completely surreal situation and you just don't know why you're there, how you're there, that sort of thing. Um, has anyone ever had that sort of an experience? Have you, Sarah? I was thinking, I asked the question first and then I thought about the answer. My brother did. I mean, a Mad Hatter situation where the entire conversation is just nonsensical. Um mm. It was. It couldn't happen now, actually, because they've changed the system. But it was on the French railways. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, okay. In the 90s, when we were teenagers, so on a French high-speed train, mm. it's not like in England where you buy a ticket and you cram in and hope for the best. Mm. The ticket is a reservation. They only sell seats. So oh gosh! How very civilized. Yeah, it, it's amazing concept, Fiella. Yeah, <laughs> um, like it. <laughs> so you buy your ticket for a TGV train and it says coach such and such and seat number 
whatever. It's like buying a ticket on a plane, right? You buy right. it. So he had his ticket and the train came in at a different platform and he says that he ran. I knew my brother and I don't know whether he did, but he said that he ran but missed the train. So he took his ticket to the ticket office to ask them to exchange it because you can only use it on that train on that seat. Um, mm -hmm. So they used to have this system called compost your ticket, composte. It meant basically there were these yellow machines on the platforms and you had to put your ticket in and it just punched a little hole. It was like somebody in the 1920s with their hole puncher. Yeah. If you punch a hole, the ticket is valid. If you don't, it's invalid, regardless of the fact that you've bought it and paid for it and it's for that train. The whole okay. That whole system made no sense. No. So he had punched his ticket whilst waiting for the train, which then came to a different platform and he missed. So when he returned to the ticket office 10 minutes later and told them what had happened and he said here's my ticket you know for the train I just missed can you exchange it for a later train she looked at it and said oh no 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 monsieur no you've used this ticket <laughs> and he was like well clearly I haven't because I'm standing here talking to you I'm not 10 minutes away mm -hmm. in a train going through a suburb of Paris yeah. Um, so I did think that was kind of a mad hatter conversation like I'm obviously not on the train look I'm yes. having a conversation with how you do I, how do I prove this yes well, <laughs> I had this once where I've always found this it's an awful thing to say but whenever I give a talk in a catholic environment you know a parish or somewhere like that there is always one crazy from whom I have to be rescued and this yeah you know, I mean, this is an yeah. unfortunate thing that this tends to happen in churches yeah. and i don't know why but it there's, does there's yeah. always someone and they, they're always very vocal and very very persistent and yeah i remember when i was organizing talks it was always someone had to be on duty to rescue um the the speaker when someone homed in on them yeah and so i'm quite used to it happening and i got quite used to dealing with it and most uh, most of the talks i've given have had a pretty good chairman who's who's huh. been able to step in I had one situation where the chairman was like that. Oh, dear. That, that's unfortunate. And completely took over my talk and answered all the questions for me. <laughs> no, mostly no. wrong. Oh, uh, gosh. That was really awkward. And on another occasion, I went to give a talk. It was called the Catholic, Catholic Cultural Group. They were all like that. You've outed them on radio now. It's many, many years ago. It's not, not, it's not yes. still around. Every single person, as far as I could make out, in this group was the sort of person you have to be rescued from. Oh, gosh. Not so one of them <laughs> asked a sane question. Oh, do share some of the questions, Fiona. With hindsight, it must be entertaining. You know? um, well, it was <laughs> it was a, a talk about one of the English martyrs, yes. um, St. Robert Southall, who was my, my master's Yes, he was my, my yeah. subject of expertise. Love Robert Southall, Robert yeah. Southwell. Used to give a lot of talks about him. Um, one of them asked about uh, torture methods, which I, oh, I immediately yeah. start to get a bit panicky when people show that much interest. Okay, and it was the point at which he went... Nice. Yeah, it, was at the, it was the point at which he went, were they allowed to dislocate limbs? Oh, no. And I sort of froze, and someone at the back went, what a disgusting question! Who let okay, him know so this person? Somebody there was not at the mad hatter tea party. <laughs> um, and uh, someone asked about the... Uh, so someone made a connection between Elizabeth I and communism. Um, okay, yes. And I could not understand how he got there. That at really all. is like the mad hatter tea yeah. party, when you just think, this is so surreal that, like... I don't know what the response is. And there, there, there was another girl who had this slightly dreamy way of talking, which was supposed to make it all look very thoughtful, who said, you know, looking looking into the distance, I think you must be very careful about generalising because Henry VIII was not an Anglican, um, as most of us understand our Anglican brothers and sisters. I don't think he was a, a typical case. Like, he was an Anglican. 
Yeah. I mean, the concept of Anglicanism you're talking about didn't even exist. And that's quite hilarious to say that Henry VIII wasn't a typical Anglican. Yeah. I mean, you can say that again, thank God. Most Anglicans don't murder their wives. Um, and kill 57,000 people. <laughs> and, 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 and but it got to the point where I just dreaded anybody yeah. putting their hand up. I, didn't, I had no idea what was going to be thrown at me. That it was really just so great. weird. That really is quite entertaining uh, with hindsight, Fiorella. Yeah, at the time. And then, and then of course, as soon as the question and answer session was over, the, the really, really mad one came and cornered me. I was actually sitting in the corner of the room by this stage, and eventually the organiser had to keep shouting, we really do need to go now. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. Yes, that was one of those Mad Hatter's tea parties I, I would like never to repeat. And I didn't even get tea. If, I, if I'd got a cup of tea, yeah. I could probably have coped with most of it. Oh, gosh. Anyway. <sighs> Interesting times. I wonder if anyone else has a mad hatter moment to share has, with us. Has, has anyone else had that sort of moment where just the whole situation just feels so completely, comprehensively bonkers, you just don't know what to say anymore? Uh, I'd really, really be curious to know. In fact, um, why, am I, why am I hooked on French bureaucracy? Another one comes to mind. Yes, French bureaucracy again. It was um, the lady in the local town hall of the tiny village in the middle of nowhere, French village where my parents lived, where they were the only non-French family for miles around and everybody knows everybody. But my dad had lost the crucial receipt for my, um, my residency permit. And even though the lady shouted out the window, Bonjour, Monsieur Taylor, <laughs> as soon as she saw the car, she knew exactly who it was, but then she gave him this long lecture on how she couldn't possibly hand it over without a receipt because we might be anybody at all. <laughs> but we're not. You know very well who we are. You just said my name. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, we, that's what's being made fun of in Asterix House of Madness, isn't it? Yeah. You need this piece of paper to go from here. Oh, no, but you need this piece of paper to go to there. And, yes. and they, they just they just run around and around in circles trying to get the paper sorted. Um, yes. Yeah, so do, our answers in the chat room, if you've ever been through anything like that. You know something, it's awful, but I love the shrine at Lourdes. Yeah. I love it. I wish it wasn't in France. Uh, because, and it's because of the bureaucracy. I have never had yeah. to deal with officialdom in that way ever in my life. Yeah, French bureaucracy is really a new a new level. But I suppose, yeah, I suppose you just have to learn to <laughs> roll yeah. with it. Roll with it. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Maggie, for putting that recipe in the chat room. I am going to have a go at making a, a poke bowl. I think that looks really, really delicious. So there we go. And maybe by way of exchange, you would like to consider making toad in the hole. Mm, I love toad in the hole. Apparently, people are spooked by this because they think it's actually about amphibians. <laughs> there are no actual yeah. toads involved in the dish toad in the hole no why would you think there would be this is a dish uh, ready for the mad hatter's tea party i think it's yeah. called toad in the hole and no it does not contain toads or holes i don't think yeah. it dates back to the 18th century um and it involves sausages baked in batter because yeah. um, in the 18th century, obviously, with no refrigeration, it was harder to preserve meat. So they had to be a lot more inventive. And coating meat in batter was a way of preserving it. You're just ah, making it less I didn't know that was why. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite delicious. I like it. Yeah. But I have absolutely no idea at all why it's called Toad in the Hole. I'm guessing it's some kind of nickname it developed and it's just one of those things that stuck um i will admit that uh, coming to this country as a foreigner when someone told me they were serving me toad in the hole as a child i nearly fainted um, <laughs> did you actually think they were going to serve you a toad well you know i had no reason to i mean in france they yeah. eat frogs don't they i mean you know yes they do <laughs> so maybe toad in the hole was the kind of anglo equivalent uh, uh, maggie thank you yes that's exactly what toad in the hole looks like though i've never had it with onion yet but that it's it's almost the same thing yes delicious it's a it's basically a giant yorkshire pudding which has sausages baked into it yes oh lady bell i mean you're saying in the states we have something like that called pigs in a blanket funnily enough pigs in blankets over here is little sausages wrapped in bacon and I feel that that's something that came in quite recently. 
recently or maybe it just spread quite recently because I don't ever remember that in my childhood I don't either um well I remember the the dish as part of uh Christmas dinner but I don't remember it being called that yes yeah. um so so it's obviously a bit more a bit more recent um Okay, I'm going to just move away from food just for a moment because this is one of these things that could keep just run and run. I think I'll have to I'll have to start every show with a uh, have you heard of? Um, okay, this is actually not anything to do with the Mad Hatter. The University of Exeter, which is quite a respectful <laughs> respectable university, by the way, has introduced a degree course in magic and occult science. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. This is not in the good news section. No. News. Apparently, this follows a surge of interest in magic. Mm. Um, it offers an opportunity to study the history and impact of witchcraft and magic around the world on society and science. Um, academics with expertise in history, literature, philosophy, archaeology, sociology, psychology, drama... And religion will show the role of magic on the East and the West. It's one of the only postgraduate courses of its kind to combine the study of the history of magic with such a wide range of other subjects. Yeah, that's um, interesting. <laughs> I wouldn't want to see any of your children enroll on that course. Um... I'd like to think they would have the common sense mm. not to do that. What particularly... Um, Oh, no, you'll love this, actually. Professor Emily Sealove, the course leader, says a recent surge in interest in magic and the occult inside and outside of academia lies at the heart of the most urgent questions of our society. Decolonization, the exploration of alternative ep epistemologies, feminism and anti-racism are at the core of this programme. Right. You've, every buzzword is at the core of the programme. Yes. Doesn't get missed. I think um, they didn't bring sex into it, did they? No, reducing emissions. <laughs> Is it going to reduce um, emissions? Yes, I mean, are they going to find some way to you know, conjure up power so they don't have to use yeah. fossil fuels? I mean, I think could they get Greta on board for this one? Um, um, yeah, you know, could could help, obviously. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> Lady Bell. I mean, I guess the demons are recruiting again. I, the whole thing is just—it's it's, so bizarre. The weird thing is, though. It's being hosted in guess which department? <laughs> I, mean, guess which... I mean, I'm struggling here. <laughs> which university department could possibly have been saddled with this one? Are they going to call it a science? Are they going to say it's a religion? It would be the humanities. Um... Warmer with religion, yeah. Hmm. It is the Institute of Arab and Islamic Studies. Oh my goodness! I'm just imagining, sort of. I actually don't think that Muslims would wouldn't have imagined that they would have been really happy about this. No. Study Islamic studies, come and learn about witchcraft. I mean, yeah. I don't see the link. Um, I, that would potentially be quite offensive. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine how this this marriage of, uh, of of traditions is going to work. I mean, it would be yeah. worth just getting out the popcorn and watching, frankly, because I just do not feel this is going to end well. It's all yeah. about being decolonised, Fiala. Maybe that's... I don't know. <laughs> well, anyway. as... Coming from a former British colony, I'm, I can just imagine my nunna, who was a perfectly, you know, contented resident of, of uh, the British Empire. Um, I'm just trying to imagine her, you know, with, with someone saying to her, you know, um, Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Sultana, don't worry, because, you know, we're going to um, help you to find your true identity by offering you a course on witchcraft. <laughs> I mean, the holy water would be being splattered about the place within about 10 seconds. That's I think she would have let them know where to get off, wouldn't she? Yes, politely but very forcefully. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm just, I, I'm, well, actually, I'm quite glad she never lived to see any of this, frankly, but uh, it just makes me wonder sometimes. It's kind of interesting, though. It's also making me think, are they going to be recruiting teachers or students who really buy into it as a belief system? And... 
on the one hand, that makes me think that's very dangerous. You know, you're playing with dark forces. On the other hand, it makes me think perhaps that's honest or, or, or a bit more of an acknowledgement of reality compared to the majority of people who are, you know, atheists and don't ever want to think about that because it's not very convenient. You know, whether there is a God and whether prayer is real and all those things. Mm. I just wonder how, you know, are they actually going to buy into it? Because in a way that would be true, wouldn't wouldn't it? That there is, there is uh, you know, there is eternal life. There is good and evil. Those things are true. Mm. <laughs> Most people it does, acknowledge it. Yeah, it, it does make me, I mean... I, I suppose you know, academics, for example, who you know, are from a literary background, for example, who can talk about, you know, the way witchcraft is portrayed in literature or historians looking at, say, witch trials and things like that. You know, you can you can be that kind of an academic without actually practicing magic. But some of the units, I'm not really sure how you would teach them unless you actually bought into this. Mm. Um, it, it, I find that the whole thing bizarre. And of course, for US listeners, it's worth pointing out the University of Exeter, it's in the West Country, um, where, some way from where I grew up. And there's a lot of occult activity in the West Country because it's in the West Country. You have Stonehenge, Amesbury, um, Amesbury Circles, Glastonbury. Um, oh, yes, I'd forgotten that. I'd yeah. forgotten that's all the same part of the world. I'm not so familiar with Mm. Yeah, the legend of King Arthur, of course, is based around Glastonbury. I, mean, I love so. the legend of King Arthur. I, yeah. I I embrace it as a Catholic. You know, it's it's a bit sad if it's claimed only by people who are into the occult. But yeah. <laughs> all the the white horses and all the knights down there yeah. beneath Glastonbury Tor waiting I mean, for an that's England needs them. The idea. Tolkien, I'm sure, loved mm. it. Um. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Lady Bell, I mean, um, just got to go to work. Thanks for another interesting show. Have a wonderful day. Um, okay. It is three minutes past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with Fiorella de Maria and Sarah Taylor. If you've missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of The Early Show as a podcast, same day, from crusademax.com. We've been talking about, in no particular order, Mad Hatter's Day. How are you going to celebrate Mad Hatter's Day? It's the anniversary of the death of Alfred Lord Tennyson, the great English romantic poet, it's also the death of the anniversary of the death of a famous news agent. I don't know how, whether that's quite as exciting. A survey of 2000 teenagers found that many are struggling with anxiety, stress and the toxic influence of social media, but are also optimistic about the future and feel close to their families. And in a nice little coda to the Mad Hatter's Day story, the University of Exeter in the UK has started a degree in magic. Yes, uh -huh. you did hear me correctly. So there we go. Um, we're just interspersing the madness with food because somehow food just feels sane and harmless. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I meant to say we, we were asking about, you know, have you ever had a Mad Hatter's Tea Party moment? Have you watched the any of the Alice in Wonderland animations or films over the years? Because two of my children, three of my children are in a production of Alice in Wonderland on ice. Oh, that's right. That is yes. this year's ice show. I mean, it should be very fun. A, a totally surreal story is quite entertaining uh, in the form of a book or an animated film or an ice show, indeed. Yes, we've got one, one of my children is Tweedledee. Another one is the Mock Turtle. <laughs> That's great. Um, uh, I love that is, part yeah. of the book about the mock person. Mm. It's, just, yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful, I mean, absolutely mad um, yeah. in every sense of the word. You, you can't try to make sense of the book. You just have to throw yourself into it. But I did you watch? It, hmm? I was going to say that I think some of it appeals to my sense of humour because some of it is a kind of a linguistic sense of humour. Yes. Know? I like saying that an iced bun would come out of the freezer. Yes. <laughs> you know, saying that a mock mm. turtle is a creature. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's a geeky linguistic sense of humour, which I sort of get. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think Lewis Carroll would, would have been regarded as a nerd these days. Yes. Um, but then he gave us Alice in Wonderland. Have you ever seen the Disney Alice in Wonderland? 
Yes, I have. I think it's entertaining. Yeah, mm. it's it's not bad. I mean, it's it's very difficult to portray it on screen. Yes, yes, because it's quite nonsensical, but mm. it's quite fun also to try to portray it visually, isn't it? I think they do a yeah. good job. Mm, absolutely. Um, so I think yes, watch an Alice in Wonderland, or better still, read read some of the poetry, the Jabberwocky. Yes, Jabberwocky. I love that. And um, the the walrus. Uh, who is the it? The walrus and the carpenter. That's right. The walrus and the carpenter. But answer came there none, and that was fairly odd because he'd eaten everyone. Everyone. <laughs> You are old father. Um, Paul C. is saying, I never understood Alice in Wonderland. Seems like a big LSD acid trip. <laughs> That's a very good way of describing it. Um, yeah. Some people say yeah. it is, in fact, one long, confused dream sequence. Um, all the references to eat me and drink me and all of the rest. That it's, it's just really a sort of movement into madness. I, I went, I took a, a Spanish language student I had with me uh, the summer before COVID, I took her to a beautiful outdoors production in Kew Gardens, which my sister-in-law was, she was playing the Queen of Hearts. And at one point when the Duchess is singing and um, the baby turns into a pig and yeah. it, it's, it's a particularly mad moment, my husband sort of turned to me and whispered, is this all some sort of symbolic, is it a kind of symbolic social commentary or is it just bonkers? And I'm like, it is just bonkers. As far as I know, it is just mad. There's nothing yeah, really he's trying but to say. your husband was thinking along the lines of Paul in the chat room, what yeah. does it mean? No, it really doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It, it is just mad. And you just have to accept that it's just completely crazy. Yeah. Um, and in fact, when my children went for the first rehearsal of, of this uh, performance this production the director said to them you just have to leave your inhibitions at the door yeah um right. it's just don't try to make sense of it it's just you just have to throw yourself in and in uh, that sense it is like a dream isn't it mm. that you just throw yourself into something that actually makes no sense at all but in the dream somehow you do <laughs> yeah um, and in fact, the Mad Hatter's Tea Party is not the only really, really mad sequence. Absolutely everything really that happens makes yeah <laughs> makes no sense whatsoever. So, yes, it is. Um, I, I think I think Paul LSD trip. Yeah, that's that's a pretty but, good way of putting it. I mean, I want to say. I mean, there's there's kind of linguistic humour, and there's also I think there is a play on character. Uh, kind of hilarious to compare it to Jane Austen, but but in a way of like taking a particular type of character and then exaggerating it more, mm. you know, um, like with the Queen of Hearts, for example. I mm. mean, we've all known somebody who's a little bit like that. Or yeah. maybe we've all had a tea party with someone who is a little bit hard to make conversation with and keeps firing out complete non-secretors and then, you know, getting mm. annoyed for no reason. We probably all have met somebody a bit like that. Yeah, well... So many, I mean, I'm just thinking about, well, well, we're talking about Alice in Wonderland. There are so many references in the English language that come from, you know, just going down a rabbit hole. Yeah. I know the conversation's going down a rabbit hole again. Um, off with his head. Yeah. No actual monarch, as far as I know, ever said that. The Queen of Hearts says it. Yes. Yeah. Um, the White Rabbit. I mean, The Matrix has all those references. Yeah. To following the white rabbit down the rabbit hill. Oh, there's a lot of moments like that, um, which we just, you know, it's, it's just slipped into the language. So I suppose we've got quite a lot to thank Lewis Carroll from. And of course, you know, he's, um, you know, there's, he, he never married, he never had a family of his own. So yeah. in some ways, the book was like his child, it was his, um, it was his Maybe legacy. It was a little bit odd um, if you were to meet him in real life. Well, he was a professor of mathematics, mm. and I think he became a professor of mathematics at something like 14. So I suspect yeah. he was very, very odd. Yes. Um, I, I, I don't wish to, you know, make any assumptions about clever mathematicians or anything, but I have the feeling we would regard him as neurodiverse today. Yes, indeed. You know, just a thought. Um <laughs> So yes, if anyone else has any insights on what on earth Alice in Wonderland is supposed to be about, or, you know, any halfway sane reason why a British university would 
start up a degree in magic, uh, just put your answers in the chat room because I'm absolutely at a loss to understand what the point of this is. Moving swiftly on. Actually, I'll tell you what, this is um, uh, this is a, a serious thing, but uh, since we, you know, we're getting quite close to the end of the show, I, I've wanted to mention this because I think this is one of those things where it's, it's important to mention someone's name. We've been talking about influencers and the, you know, the, the toxic influence they're having on young people. They have no qualification, no reason to be famous at all. But the family of a man who drowned saving his son have asked that his name be remembered. David Cole. Remember the name, please. David Cole. He was with his three-year-old son in the sea um, at a beach in West Mercia in um, in Essex, and they got caught by riptide. The 30-year-old man managed to hold his son above the water, uh, but it cost him his own life. He died of exhaustion. Um, he, or he, he drowned as a result of intense exhaustion while saving his son. And air ambulance were called out. They tried to save him. They were unable to do so. The Royal National Lifeboat Association to institute has warned that rip, rip currents can be extremely dangerous um, and has tried to educate the public about it. But I just feel this is someone, this is a hero who really should be remembered. David Cole, yeah. please remember his name. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need, these, these stories are so important. This is you know, a man who... He gave up his life for his son. You know, it's, you wouldn't have thought twice about it. It's a very um, tragic story, but also heroic. In those kind of situations, you really see what people are made of. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the for the mother and child left behind, you know, it's a, it's a loss they will never get over. But I just think, you know, what an incredibly courageous man, you know, yeah. and... We and he, they're the sort of you know, he should be someone who gives is given some kind of posthumous reward. I think for his, his family's sake, you know, he was. It's a classic case of a very ordinary man, you know, just out on holiday. He was um, a roofer by trade, yeah. spent his life up ladders mending people's roofs. Um, found himself in a situation where he had to act. You know, there was no lifeguard, there was no one who could get to him in time. Um. So they've raised £3,500 for the Royal National Lifeboat Institution. That's um, a really wonderful charity, I just want to say as well. Um, Royal National Lifeboat Institution. Yeah. They're all volunteers. They do not get paid by the government. And they have normal daytime jobs, mm. um, people who live at the coast. But they train to man the lifeboats and they can get called out day or night and sometimes they do give their lives to mm. save other lives. There was famously a lifeboat in Cornwall where they all died. The Solomon Brown. That's it. I remember that. That story is very, very famous. And in that case, it was extremely dangerous weather um, when they went out. And it was so much so that they would only take one man from each family. They knew, they knew. that they could yeah. die and they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, 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 real, they're real heroes, and um, yeah. I think it's good to support that charity. Yes, because we were talking some time ago about how um, things are, the, the emergency services in the States are slightly different. That Over here, obviously, the, the fire service, and that, they're, they're all professionals, they're all paid. Um, yeah. But the, the lifeguards, the, the, so the, the, um, the lifeboat people, they're, as you say, they're all volunteers, they're privately funded, um, I mean, if they're Royal National Lifeboat, they, they'll have some royal patronage, but you know, they do have to do a lot of fundraising. And yet they are incredibly courageous men and women um, who work out there. They also do a lot of educational work to try to make the seas safer and to, you know, make it that they don't have to go out there to rescue people as much. And Jacqueline is saying, I don't understand why they don't put signs up on beaches that says swim parallel to the shoreline to get out of a riptide when you live close to the coastline do you know these things you know these things but a lot of times vacationers don't this is the point i think um i mean this family obviously were not were not from the coast i used to find somewhere like malta the only time you got someone drowning they were always tourists 
because oh. if you grow up near the sea, you respect the sea, you know where the cross currents are, you know where the dangers are. Um, it's It tends to be the people who don't know um, exactly what to expect, who get into difficulties. I think having... Um, I think having signs up on beaches is a really good idea. Most beaches in Britain, I think, Sarah, have signs up warning about various things. Um, yes, you do see warnings about riptides, uh, currents. But I suppose it doesn't prevent every tragedy. As you said, if you're not familiar with the sea and the... Mm. Uh, yeah. I think the problem with riptides and cross currents and things is that um, I think it's because you can be dragged out so quickly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember years ago, and I'm I'm very used to swimming off the coast of Malta, but I remember years ago I was in the sea, you know, you jump straight from rocks into very, very deep water. And I was just treading water, chatting to someone, and I suddenly looked back and realised I was a long way from the coast. Yes, I think that's what can happen. You don't yeah. realise how far out you mm. are. Um, and obviously I was a strong enough swimmer to be able to get back, but I thought that's when someone might panic if they yeah. weren't used to it. So um, it can be, I, I just think that there are very basic rules. I must say that one of them is swimming where there are other people. Absolutely. And I mean, I swam in the sea since I was a little child and we were always taught you only swim when the tide is coming in, only swim mm. when the tide is coming in, never when it's going out because tides in Britain are very strong. I don't know how it is in the US, mm. Malta. I imagine they're very strong in Malta. No, um, the Mediterranean's not tidal. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. So mm. that's an issue for the UK, but only when it's coming in. Uh, and the other thing is, yes, just keep checking all the time whether you're in your depth, because as you say, it takes only a few seconds without mm. you doing anything for you to be moved out of your depth mm. um, and just being aware of these things. Yeah. But, you know, brave man you know he he yeah. really he really he he certainly did save his son's life but do pray for that family as well i think that's yeah that's really it's a dealing with bereavement is really difficult but when it's you know when it's in an accident that's really really hard um we are going to have to slip away in a moment there's no crosstalk today um so um, I will very quickly, uh, before we, we have to go, say um, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Now, you have something very special happening this weekend, Sarah. I do, yes. We have um, a Radio Maria event. It's actually a worldwide rosary. So it's going to be broadcast in almost every, every country of the world, through all the Radio Marias of the world. And it's being broadcast from... Uh, England from our National Rosary Shrine, which is at St. Dominic's Priory in London. Um, so that's at 3 p.m. British time tomorrow. That's a really big event for us to be hosting the Worldwide Rosary. And before that, a lot of us are going to Holy Mass at Tyburn Convent, which is the spot where a lot of the English martyrs were hung, drawn and quartered in London. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, I can't remember... Uh, your favourite one, your favourite... Oh, yes, he, he died at Tyburn. Did he died yeah. at Tyburn. He was yeah. killed at Tyburn. So, so did Campion, and so did yeah. many others. <clears throat> um, so we're going to have mass there, and then we're going to have a walk. We're going to be praying with the English martyrs and praying the rosary and then joining the worldwide rosary at St. Dominic's at 3pm. So big day for England, for Radio Maria. Really looking forward to it. I just love the fact that there is a worldwide rosary. Mm. This is just, yeah. it's so exciting that this is happening. And it's kind of ironic in a way that, well, no, it's not ironic that it's coming from England because yes, Britain was the, was the dowry of Our Lady once, Isn't wasn't it? it? I sort of love that people wouldn't think that the worldwide rosary would be coming from England, but it is, hooray. Yeah, but, you know, the dowry of Our Lady, you know, yeah. it's maybe we're, this is slowly, slowly we can reclaim yeah. that beautiful title one day. Yeah. And we've we've been given a bit of extra time, so we're OK. But I think, you know, I mean, I'm sure you all pray the rosary every day. But, you know, just to just to be aware that people all over the world are going to be praying the rosary tomorrow. I certainly will want to be part of that, mm. um, part of that amazing uh, re really amazing organized so, so this was organized by radio maria was it or was it organized by someone in in london uh, yes it was organized by radio maria <clears throat> there because there are radio maria stations in most of the world mm -hmm. so yes it's 
coordinating everybody to all play the rosary together. Oh, that's just beautiful. Very beautiful. Um, of course, it's for the month of October, which is the month of the rosary. Absolutely. Well, that's why my daughter's middle name is Rosaria. Yes, that's lovely. Because she's an October, yeah. she's an October birthday. In fact, having spoken a little disparagingly about Lourdes, just because it's in France. Um, <laughs> sorry, poor France. <laughs> but it's, it's so close. I mean, it's in the foothills of the Pyrenees. I mean, a few hundred yeah. miles. You know, it could have been. It could have been in Spain. Um, but. No, seriously, it's such a beautiful shrine. It's my favourite. Uh, but one of the most beautiful moments I used to to find when I was in Lourdes was the rosary procession, the torchlit procession. Yeah, and you would have amazing. just, it, it's so moving. Everyone has has these torches you can buy and you could just see light, this sort of river of light. Yes. All, all the way through the domain. And they will, they're saying the rosary and they say it in different languages. Yeah, um, I love that. I love yeah. that. When I pray the rosary by myself, I very often can hear the music of Lourdes. Yes. So they sing the Gloria, for example. It's yeah. really beautiful. Um, and you just have a sense of the universal church and just you Catholics from all over the world. Yes. Um, yeah, you're I mean, so right, Fiorella. When we all pray the rosary together and sometimes people are beginning in one language and responding in another language, you really do have that sense of the universal church that it's so diverse but united in prayer. Yeah, so it just, um, I, for, that was, I think, that and the Eucharistic procession were the, were the most moving. So I think, yes, get your I know I out. said there wasn't going to be any crosstalk, but can I, ladies, can I jump in real quick? Uh, of course, yes. It yeah. is, it's wonderful to hear both of you talking about our tomorrow's feast day of Our Lady of Victory. And I just want to encourage everyone tomorrow to recognize the feast of Our Lady of Victory in the Battle of Lepanto. Great day to read Absolutely. some. Absolutely. Great day yeah. to yeah. Great day to read some Chesterton. You can read his poem uh, Lepanto tomorrow. Read it to your kids. It's a it's a wonderful uh, it, it's a wonderful mm. literary work. Uh, it, we should record it. Actually, um, it's so yeah. No, it's good. It's really good. But it's, uh, I just wanted to jump in, Sarah. Congratulations on what you're doing, Fiorella. I did not know that you named the daughter Rosaria. Um, a middle and, name, yes. And it's great to hear you both talk about. The Blessed Mother and the return of Mary's dowry, uh, especially Indeed. since you are sending your signal to a piece of property in Louisiana called Walsingham West. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just wonderful. I'm so glad it's called Walsingham. <laughs> okay, West. so I thought I'd jump in and, and and say that, and I'll leave you to the final minute yourself. Okay, yeah, that's wonderful. wonderful. Thank you um, so much, Mike. And um, really, such a great reminder about the Battle of Lepanto. Yes. Yes. What absolutely. It's depicted in a mosaic in Lyon, in the Basilica, and it's very beautiful, yeah. Wonderful. Okay, it is now coming up to 25 past the hour. been my absolute pleasure to bring you the early show all the way from autumnal England with the wonderful Sarah Taylor. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Don't forget to write to me at Fiorella at crusadechannel.com and the chat room is open for your commentary at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. I will now leave you with the King Dude, Mike Church himself. You're listening to the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be.